0: Hello everyone, and welcome to Downsizing, the podcast where we try and figure out when the office actually ended, because everyone would have been fired. My name is Curtis, and I'll be your host, and with me is my co-host and resident office expert, Antoinette. Hey everyone. Today we will be discussing Season 3, Episode 10, Benihana Christmas.
1: Curtis, can I ask one question of you off the bat sure so this is a super size episode it was an an hour in its original length with the commercials do you think it was necessary to have this episode be an hour so about let's say it's 42 minutes without the commercials
0: i yeah i i think it works i don't i can really remember like one scene That felt like it was just kind of a weird... Not weird, but like they just threw it in there for just because. Like it could have been cut and nothing would have been wrong with it.
1: Yeah, we just get a lot of party montage, if you will. Um, So I think it's just a fun way to check in with the characters. But I can see if they were rerunning it or something. I'm sure they cut those parts to fit a 30-minute time slot.
0: Right. So in this episode, we see Michael having relationship problems. A few of the office workers go to lunch, and there are dueling Christmas parties. The cold open of this episode sees Dwight bringing in a dead goose and laying it on Pam's desk.
1: Yes, he just happened to hit it as he was driving into work, um, which is actually somewhat easy to do unfortunately in areas where geese congregate and he says it's a Christmas miracle that he can cook it down and they can have a pretty tasty feast
0: something I just thought of with you bringing up the fact that hitting a goose would be pretty easy Dwight had to not make any effort to not hit that goose (laughs) like the park that we live near there are geese because there are two big ponds there are geese there all the time mm-hmm. and they're walking across the road and they as i'm sure many people if you have ever come in close contact with a goose they don't care no they they if they don't like fly away as if it was a regular bird if they are in the middle of the road they will just walk across and they'll just stand there so dwight didn't probably didn't go out of his way to hit this goose, but he probably didn't make any effort to not hit this goose.
1: That's a great point. That's very consistent with Dwight's personality and how he feels about just nature. Uh quick anecdote about geese. I went to a college with a very large goose population. Mm-hmm. Every spring there was uh in the student newspaper just a primer on How to treat the geese, like you need to give them a wide berth, do not sit near the nest, do not agitate the goose, anything like that. So uh, I'm pretty well versed in uh, avoiding geese.
0: So Dwight is pleading his case to prep this goose and cook it for the Christmas party that is happening later on in the day and Toby is having none of this.
1: He keeps saying, Dwight, we've talked about this. And we get a quick cut to Dwight telling the camera crew that one time he wanted to bring in duck for his lunch. Unfortunately for everyone, he decided that the way to do that was to bring in a live duck that he, I guess, was going to kill DeFeather and cook All over lunchtime?
0: I don't know where he was going to do the cooking part of that, at least. Yeah. I can't imagine you can cook a duck in a microwave.
1: Or a toaster oven.
0: Right. So eventually, Toby relents and just tells Dwight, okay, fine, just go clean it in your car. So Toby continues to be the worst HR rep on the face of the earth.
1: Such a pushover.
0: The episode opens with us seeing Michael continuing his Christmas tradition which is one-upping everybody with his Christmas gift. As we saw in the last Christmas episode, the office had agreed to a $20 limit on their secret Santa and Michael decided to blow that out of the water by getting an iPod video. This episode we see him come into the office with a bike and what the office has done this Christmas is just do a toy drive so there is a box by the entrance to the office filled with just little you know board games and dolls and stuff like that and Michael comments on it by saying you know everybody got all these little knickknacks and here's a bike that I am giving to some poor kid
1: except we learn that it's his old bike Everyone comments on the fact that the tires are kind of bald and the paint is chipping. And Michael tries to just gloss over it by saying, oh, it's so nice. Look at what I'm doing for some
0: child. Michael is excited for the day, though, because Carol, his girlfriend, is coming to the Christmas party. And I personally am kind of shocked that he and Carol are still dating.
1: Yeah, we have not had a check-in with Carol since Diwali, at which Michael proposed to her in front of a huge crowd of people. We sort of assumed at that episode that that was the end of Carol and Michael. Apparently she gave him another chance, maybe said tone it down, to which Michael just completely ignored because his Christmas card for this year is a photo of... Of Michael, Carol, and Carol's children on a ski trip. But Michael was not on that ski trip. The ski trip occurred two years ago. And Michael photoshopped his head or his face over Carol's ex-husband's face. And then sent that out as his Christmas card. Which is, as Jim describes, pretty bold.
0: And Carol obviously does not take this very well, and Michael really doesn't see what the issue is. He thinks it's hilarious, and tries to spin it to Carol that he was on that ski trip, she just didn't know it, like he was in her heart the whole time, and just has not met him yet. So Carol, who has shown up to the office early, Besides that this is the time that the relationship between her and Michael has met its end.
1: Michael tries to entice her to just think about it because he got them two tickets to go to Sandals, Jamaica, and he thinks that this is just the perfect time for them to do that. She needs to wear her skimpiest bikini and really think it over. Carol is not enticed at all. She has kind of had her fill of Michael and walks out. Now, this is not the last we will see of Carol, but it is the last we see of Carol for a couple of seasons.
0: And this kind of brief interaction between Carol and Michael in this episode is kind of the epitome of why Michael isn't dateable in the first place?
1: Very much so. Unfortunately for Michael, his loneliness takes over and any whiff of just interest that he gets from another person he takes it to like just a level 10 immediately carol was a very nice lady they did have a connection but he just went to year five when they were on month five of their relationship and he just cannot help himself because he so badly wants human connection He so badly wants a solid relationship and a family that he's willing to sort of create something in his mind to justify where he's at and why he has decided, oh, yeah, like we are this one big happy family. We went on this ski trip. That's this image that I'm projecting to the world in my Christmas card. And even buying two all-inclusive tickets to Sandals Jamaica is a pretty tone-deaf move, for where this relationship is at i would say
0: so yeah in addition to those things he also objectifies carol in front of the entire office yeah. he introduces her to everyone he's like for those of you who do not know who this woman is this is carol it's my girlfriend this is just the front of her now and he's like turn around and show him the rest he's like what are you doing
1: Yeah, he, again, just doesn't know how to act. Um, He is starred for Human Connections, so he has to show it off in a physical way as well. And really, this breakup is the catalyst for the rest of the episode, I would say.
0: Yeah, so Michael is immediately sent into just a downward spiral. And he first walks out in front of the office, And announces that Christmas is canceled. And everyone in the office is just like, well, you can't cancel a holiday.
1: Yeah, if you've ever, if you have a dramatic person in your life, you've heard that before. Well, Christmas is canceled. Yeah, no, people can still celebrate Christmas uh, despite whatever drama other people want to bring into it. And Michael's just so heartbroken. He doesn't know how he could possibly celebrate the holiday or have their party. He's wallowing pretty badly in his office. He's listening to an iTunes clip. So, okay, think back, everyone that's a millennial or above. Think back to when you had iTunes and you wanted to hear a snippet of the song before you actually purchased it for 99 cents before they raised the price to like one twenty nine or something like that when no one was using iTunes anymore.
0: That's typical Apple.
1: Yeah. Uh, I don't know. What is it? Like 25 seconds of the song?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere around there.
1: So Michael decides the way to sort of soothe his broken heart is to listen Pretty much on repeat to a 25 second snippet of James Blunt's "Goodbye My Lover" uh, from his 2005 album "Back to Bedlam." I had it. It was pretty good. Yeah,
0: I was gonna say you <laughs> seem to know a lot about that album. Like those are those are some specifics. There.
1: Yeah, it was good. Uh, instead of just buying the song for 99 cents, he he tells Dwight that that snippet is just fine. Dwight's trying to help him rid his office and his brain of just any remnants of Carol. Uh, Kind of a funny thing, Andy tries to insert himself into this moment uh, since Dwight and Andy are still trying to one-up each other and prove their worth to Michael. And Dwight just slams the door in his face.
0: We also see Michael just kind of wallowing by Pam's desk and not in a like just standing next to her and talking. He is laying down and half of his body is on the one side of her desk and the other is behind her desk. And so like it's the top half of his body that's behind her desk. And so you can just hear him talking and you don't see him though, except for just his legs. (laughs) And he's just talking about how his whole body hurts and his heart hurts and he just can't go on, essentially. Later, Michael is still kind of grieving in his office, and Andy comes in and says, You know what? I'm gonna take you out to lunch. I'm gonna get your help get your mind off of this, and I know the perfect place we're going right now. It's on me. And Michael asks if it's Hooters, and which of course And Andy says, nope, it's classier than that. We're going to Benihana, (laughs) a.k.a. classy hooters, which is what Michael calls it. So before leaving, he tries to round up the gang. He says, Dwight, Ryan, Jim, we're going to lunch. Let's go. And Ryan rattles off a series of excuses as to why he can't go, which is pretty impressive. (laughs) None of them really have anything to do with the other and Michael's just like, oh, well, okay, because he's an idiot. Right. And so Jim, left with no excuses, is forced to go. So we have Jim, Andy, Michael, and Dwight going to lunch. Andy's invitation to Benihana allows Michael to wax poetic about a common phrase. Rose before hose. Why? Because... Your bros are always there for you. They have got your back after your hoe rips your heart out for no good reason. And you were nothing but great to your hoe. And you told her that she was the only hoe for you. And that she was better than all the other hoes in the world. And then...
1: Then suddenly she's not your hoe, no mo!
0: The seating arrangement at Benihana. So, if you have ever been to a hibachi-style restaurant, they are pretty much all the same. You're at this big table with the hibachi in the middle, and it's a U-shaped table, and you just sit around it. So, Michael, Andy, and Jim are all able to sit together, <laughs> and then there is a couple sitting between jim and dwight and dwight is put on the opposite end of the table
1: that's because there's a bit of a tussle for the chair next to andy andy situates himself right next to michael and jim manages to sort of slip into the chair next to andy which is kind of surprising you would think like he wants to be on the very outer edge then there's the couple right behind them coming and they see seat themselves immediately next to Jim so then yes, Dwight is forced on the other side and throughout the entire lunch cannot hear anything because it's loud Benny Hannes is apparently pretty busy right now the hibachi's loud anyways because you have the, the grill utensils you have the fire going, you have the fan so he shouts over the couple, He you just hear him in the background of when Andy and Michael are talking, trying to say, Michael, what are you saying? Can you say that again? Talk louder. I can't hear you. And then eventually Andy and Michael just ignore him.
0: I I realize in the scope of the show why this was done. There's for the comedic effect. But I feel like this should have been pretty easily taken care of. Like Dwight makes a big deal about having to sit in that seat. And the guy is just... Like no, no, I'm I'm sitting here, and I think because Dwight's so aggressive with it, that's why right. like the guy <laughs> stays there. But in real life, it would like because that seat on the other side of his wife or whoever this person is is open. So Dwight, all Dwight has to be is like, hey, I'm with these guys. Yeah, would you mind just, just going to this seat? And any normal person would be like, okay, yeah, sure. And so, yeah, I like that part's pretty ridiculous to me. And again, I get why it's there. It's for the comedic effect of it. But yeah, it's a pretty easy fix in my mind. Throughout the lunch, Andy is doing his best to be Michael's wingman and person that kind of gets him out of this funk. He is kind of hitting on the waitress for Michael. He is just being very engaging with her and trying to get her to stick around and joke around with the group. And he is kind of building Michael up in regards to this woman and just like, hey, she's, you know, she thinks you're really funny. She's checking you out. And it comes to Andy saying, you should ask them to the Christmas party.
1: Yes. So their waitress's name is Cindy. And Andy just keeps calling her over, keeps sort of trying to engage with her like Curtis said but the women that Andy and Michael show up to the office with are not Cindy the waitress and somebody else like they are completely different people than what we've seen at the restaurant and Michael Andy and Dwight are all kind of pretty drunk at this point because they've been drinking egg Nagasaki's which is just egg nog with a bunch of shots of sake in it Jim does not. Uh, He's the driver, but it looks like he's just drinking Cokes at lunch. So they come back to the office, and they are ready for the Christmas parties. So when they come back to the office, Andy and Michael are like, hey, these are our new girlfriends, and they don't know their names at all. Like I said, I don't think they met them except for being like, you and you, you're coming to our office Christmas party.
0: That's what's confusing to me in this episode, because... There is no recognition of that part that these are two different girls. Like, you would think that Jim would be like, oh, yeah, like, say to somebody as an aside, yeah, Michael was really into one of the waitresses, and then the two girls that he brought aren't those girls. Like,
1: I think it's like a purposeful thing to sort of show, I guess, the creators were like, yeah, the original waitress was really pretty, and she was not going to have any part of going off with these two random guys, but some less pretty women, I guess, were into it, which is kind of a terrible thing to say, and they've said this at, in, like, interviews about this episode.
0: So, that that's the point of it?
1: Yeah. Okay. That's purposeful. Because I
0: couldn't... So, to me, I couldn't tell if it was just a casting thing. Like, they shot this over, say, three days, and the waitresses, the original waitresses, could only make it for, like, day two. And then these girls could make it for day three. And they were like, eh, whatever.
1: Nope, it was a purposeful thing.
0: Okay, because that makes more sense for the rest of the episode because another issue that Michael is having in this episode is keeping track of which girl is the girl that he is dating.
1: Yeah, quote unquote.
0: Quote dating, yeah.
1: Yes, both women that have come with them from Benihana's are of Asian descent. Both of the women that Andy and Michael have brought to the office Christmas party are wearing the Benihana uniform. They have dark hair with bangs. Michael and Andy really didn't pay that much attention to them anyways. This is all about just sort of being a solve to Michael's broken heart. He knows nothing about her. He doesn't know, even know her name. She doesn't have a name tag on either. He gives her the bike that he brought in for the toy drive. And he tells anyone who will listen that this is his girlfriend.
0: And another part of this is kind of a bad joke, but it is something that we have seen from Michael anyway. And it is underlying racism. Later, he is talking to Roy and Kevin about his new girlfriend. And one of them asks, oh, which, which one is it? Because the two girls are talking to...
1: I think it's to Ryan, maybe? To
0: Ryan at this point. And which one of them is it? And Michael can't tell the difference between them. And he eventually gets to... He's like, they're wearing the same uniform. And... You know how all, and he pauses and says, waitresses look alike. And so...
1: Yeah, he's trying to play into like a stereotype It
0: does come from, yes, his kind of ignorant racism in the whole all insert race here look alike. Michael's plan to solve this problem is to find the two of them together so at this point they are talking to ryan in the break room now and michael comes in and is like where's my girlfriend and he's acting like he's super drunk and he's just waiting for the girl to be like oh it's me which she finally does and michael's like oh i just wanted to give you a hug and he sneakily puts a a mark on her arm with a sharpie
1: yeah it's it is something that's peak Michael after maybe I don't know an hour a couple hours at the party the Benihana waitresses are bored they're not really into it they say the party's kind of lame so they're just gonna head out and Michael desperate to keep this woman whose name we still don't know there and he still doesn't know says wait no come with me to Sandals Jamaica it's gonna be super fun and she's like, eh, I have school. She is not into it at all. They just were going out just to go probably for the story. They are probably 20 years younger than Michael and Andy. And they kind of had enough. And that's the end. And Michael is sort of back to being heartbroken again, thinking he lost his quote unquote girlfriend.
0: And it takes a pep talk from Jim to kind of, get Michael back in a good mood. Jim tells him, hey, you just had a rebound. And he's saying this in the sense of like, this is kind of the first step towards moving on. And Michael's like, yeah, you're right. I I did. I had a rebound. I feel good. I'm, I'm ready to, you know, to move forward. And we see him on the phone later talking to someone. We do not know who this is at this point. And he invites them to go to Jamaica with him. And this person, surprisingly, accepts. So Michael is going to go on his trip to Sandals, and he will have a companion after all.
1: Yeah, so we're left with a little bit of uh, mid-season suspense about who michael's jamaican companion will be
0: when the guys come back from lunch they are met with kind of a confusing situation at the office because there are now two christmas parties going on
1: yes the party planning committee is being commandeered yet again by angela Karen seems to be a a new member of the party planning committee. Uh, I guess since she came from Stanford and maybe she did that there. um, But they seem a little willing to try to have a new member. Until Karen tries to make some suggestions about what would make these Stanford people feel a little bit more at home. So some things that they used to do for their Christmas parties. And she's saying off this list and Angela is having none of it. After she says margaritas, Angela just stops her and says, God help you. This is not going to work out. You tried it. You're done. And everyone else looks down because everyone knows how domineering Angela is. Karen is really taken aback and is kind of looking for a lifeline from someone, but no one's kind of willing to give it. And Angela is stressed because that's how she plans her parties, and she's got to make her Nutcracker Christmas party perfect. After the meeting, Pam goes over to Karen's desk and was like, hey, I'm really sorry about that meeting. That was crazy. Pam does tell the camera that she's been kind of cold towards Karen, and she doesn't have any reason to be trying to be the bigger person. And that really opens this sort of friendship a little bit, at least this acquaintanceship between Karen and Pam, and they decide to plan their own party.
0: But not before setting up their own party planning committee, known as the Committee to Plan Parties. Yes. And this leads to a disagreement with Angela, not only because of the second Christmas party, but because of the second party planning committee. And she runs off and tells Dwight and Dwight comes up to Pam and says, you will disband this committee immediately as the number three in charge. I am ordering you to do so. And Andy pipes in like, well, I'm the number three in charge. And he is just kind of dismissed pretty quickly. At this moment, Jim comes over and says, Well, as the number two person in charge, I am forming my own committee to determine the validity of the two party planning committees. And he's the only member, and he's going to rule on that right now. And he says that the planning committee is valid.
1: So we have competing Christmas party wars. Karen and Pam's party featured margaritas, karaoke machines, and a Christmas raffle.
0: I'm not sure how they were able to procure two margarita machines and a karaoke machine on such short notice, but I guess the demand for that around Christmas was not very high in Scranton.
1: Angela is just furious out of her mind Karen and Pam start their party at 2.45. Angela's was supposed to start at 3, but she calls Dwight to see if she can get it started earlier. Dwight can't get anyone, anyone's attention at lunch, and he decides just to let Angela do it to start the party. Stanley breaks the ice in choosing which party really most of the office will go to by being the first one to choose Karen and Pam's party over Angela's. Angela only gets Phyllis as really a hostage of the party planning committee. Hannah and Kevin and Kevin only goes because the double fudge brownies. Everyone else is at the karaoke margarita party and seemingly having a pretty good time. Angela was kind of a real jerk and hid the power plug for the karaoke machine. But Daryl grabs the synthesizer and the karaoke kicks off. And really it does seem, like I said, that everyone's having a good time. Michael and Andy bring their dates over to that party after briefly stopping in at Angela's party. And Angela just doesn't have anything going for it. She's playing the Nutcracker suite, but people are just sitting around pretty bored. Like really there's just treats and that's not really a party. Karen and Pam call off the wars when they can see how hurt Angela is by the whole thing she takes party planning pretty seriously and Pam is trying to do the bigger thing here but sometimes Angela just deserves to be put in her place about this for sure it is absolutely ridiculous that she has to be so militant and domineering about just planning a stupid Christmas party for the office So with that, they bring the party out into the open, they set up the karaoke machine, they've got the margaritas going, and people are are really going for it. Similar to last year's party, lots of booze flowing. We get lots of shots of people doing karaoke, and there's some really funny moments. Kelly sings, We Belong Together. Uh, I forget who that's by.
0: Not Mariah Carey. Uh, yeah. That song, I don't believe had come out at this point. No, it had not.
1: Uh, but she loves to throw in, like, Ryan's name in there. And you can tell Ryan is super uncomfortable by the whole thing. Creed does a really good rendition because we know in real life he's a good singer. And Dwight holds the microphone for Angela as she sings Little Jammer Boy, her, her favorite song.
0: So in the end... The olive branch being extended ended up working out for everyone. However, this collaboration between Pam and Karen makes things a little weird for Jim. And we see kind of this love triangle developing in this episode. Earlier when Pam goes over to Karen to just kind of mend fences and begin the planning of the second christmas party jim sees them talking together and is just kind of like uh oh what's going on here
1: yeah he's a little perturbed i think he would like to keep that separate because karen's his new girlfriend pam's his old crush he is committed to trying to move on and we heard him say as much earlier in the episode Because Pam tries to give him a Christmas gift. She has been setting up this elaborate prank on Dwight. Sending him letters from the CIA. And the gift to Jim is to allow him to choose the mission that they're going to send Dwight on. Jim hesitates though. He says as you know the number two with the promotion. He really can't be doing those type of things anymore.
0: However later at. Lunch, Jim takes advantage of the situation of Dwight not being able to hear what's going on, and so there is a point where Cindy is talking to Michael, and Dwight is trying to figure out what's going on and so he gets Jim's attention and asks and Jim says she she needs to know what's the best way to clean a goose and so Dwight gets the waitress's attention and describes in gory detail what she would need to do to do that when of course that's not at all what they were talking about right and so jim tries to justify this and says well this that other thing was different that was a prank and this is well yeah this is this is a prank so we kind of see that jim was just more hesitant to kind of do this thing with Pam that is just very involved and them joking around so he's trying to put that part of his life in the past
1: yeah he like he said he just doesn't want to fall into his old patterns and I want to just raise the point again that Karen is just such an innocent bystander in all of this has no idea of the history and that's very apparent because as they're setting up for their margarita karaoke party Roy is in the break room trying to help or just talk to Pam you know whatever he's doing up there and they're talking about wrapping gifts and then he says okay I'll see you guys later Karen says to Pam oh he's cute you should date him not at all knowing their past history or that they were engaged Karen is just so new to the whole situation, rightfully so, she would have no reason to know that. So that's why she's sort of a bystander of this. Again, you don't just unload everything onto your new girlfriend, but I feel like Jim probably should have given her a bit of a heads up when she came to Scranton.
0: Absolutely. Later on in the party, Jim and Karen exchange their gifts. They have gotten each other the same movie, which is the second Bridget Jones movie.
1: I think it's the first one. I think it's just Bridget Jones' Diary.
0: Okay. And I haven't seen it. they both comment about how awful the movie is. And so it's just like an inside joke yeah. gift. And so they're joking with each other and they hug each other. And Pam sees all of this and just has that very like... Oh, gosh, yeah, look whisper. on her face. Right. And then later on, there's a shot of Roy giving Pam a gift. And Pam seems to be very surprised by this and enjoys it and gives Roy a hug. And Jim sees this and has pretty much the same look on his face.
1: Yeah, he's Jim's perturbed that Pam is still talking with Roy. And like you said, I don't think that Pam was expecting a gift. This is Roy sort of trying to win her back. Maybe Pam is thawing a little bit there, but I think she's just genuinely trying to have kind of a cordial relationship with Roy.
0: And so it doesn't seem like anybody really knows how they feel about the situation. And I think this is most evident by the conversation that Jim has with Michael that we alluded to earlier. Jim talks about how, you know, the Cindy girl or the waitress was a rebound and, you know, it takes a rebound to kind of determine how you really feel about a situation. And you're not all that serious about the person that you're with it's a way to kind of distract yourself from the real feelings you have for the other person.
1: Yeah. So poor Karen is just Jim's rebound. He's trying to distract himself. I mean, but that's what you have to do though, to sort of make it through until you are through that crush. It's just now everyone's thrown back together in the same office in the same location. And that's making it harder for Jim. Um, And there's no reason why Jim and Karen's relationship couldn't work at this point.
0: Absolutely. And I think this is really sad for Jim because he is so stuck in this relationship. He has a very, what's seemingly a very great relationship that he's currently in. Mm -hmm. And he has already admitted to himself, probably for the first time out loud here, that it's not one that's going to be successful. This is... This is really just him trying to get over Pam.
1: Yeah, it's a bit of self-sabotage.
0: Absolutely. That is pretty much where this episode wraps up. We do get a very brief visit from Oscar. He shows up with Gil to join the party, sees what's going on, which at the time is Angela singing Little Drummer Boy, and he says to himself and to Gil, nope, too soon, (laughs) and he just leaves. So with that, let's go to the annex with Antoinette and find out any fun facts about this episode.
1: So the Benihana scenes were filmed in a real Benihanas. Um, Like I said earlier, the waitress, Cindy, is not the person that comes back to the office and that is purposeful. That was by design. That was to kind of show that Andy and Michael aren't as um, great as they think they are. And that's all we have. This season, there's not been a lot of um, little tidbits that I've come across. So not as many Annex things. Curtis, do we have any firings?
0: We do. When Michael is seen laying behind Pam's desk, he gets a little too personal with her. And he asks if she had ever been in a relationship that ended because she wasn't willing to do some adventurous things sexually with that person obviously not a conversation you can have with your employee oh, michael. so michael gets fired for that it is his fifth firing this season and his 18th overall
1: so 50 percent of the episodes michael has been fired
0: he is staying at a pretty good pace there yeah <laughs> internet do you have a dundee to give out
1: Yes, the Dundee for the worst setting for a group to dine is a hibachi grill. You cannot go, even with four people, as we see, and actually have a conversation. Really, it's just a solo or one on one sort of place to go. The hood fan is loud, the grill is loud. You cannot go with more than a couple people if you want to talk to everybody.
0: For sure, and I might be kind of a downer here, but there are times when I go to hibachi restaurants and the chef's doing like doing the jokes yeah. and the the rice toss and everything, and at and a lot of times at some point I'm just like. I just kind of want my food, man. Like, I just want to sit here and talk to the person I'm with. Like, yeah. can we just can we just speed this along? I'm just kind of hungry. And at
1: least, I, can you go to like the other side of the restaurant yeah. and still get the like? How about that's the I, I think don't know so. You, okay. I don't know. That's but the I thing. Think. You can get all the same food without like the hibachi
0: experience. Sure.
1: What is your Dundee?
0: My Dundee is the perfect pair award, and that goes to. Angela and Hannah, because they are both just huge bummers. Like, Hannah takes no joy in the day whatsoever, or in anything that we have seen.
1: Yeah, I... Yes, I do have a bit of a kinship to Hannah, though, because she is sort of ahead of her time. And I appreciate that she dresses her male child in all pink because who cares and that she breastfeeds in the office
0: yeah but it's the abrasiveness of it it's just like it's his favorite color right and not not a oh you know well it's actually a boy he he really likes pink she (laughs) didn't have to be like it's a boy Right. and so when she is getting ready to join the nutcracker christmas party angel's like hey you're gonna have a really great time and Hannah's like why wouldn't I have a great time
1: right they are sour
0: and they kind of come to a head at one point when Hannah is trying to crack nuts with the nutcracker and she's just like these are just really hard to crack and Angela says well try harder and Hannah just places the nut on the table, takes the whole nutcracker, and just smashes the nut with it. So they really are two people that are, it's, it's a situation where they're both very similar, except if you tried to have them in the same room with each other, they would kill each other.
1: Yeah, that's a great point.
0: <laughs> Who is your employee of the month?
1: Uh, I chose Pam and Karen because they're just trying to liven up the office and sort of break the stronghold that Angela has over party planning, and it is just absolutely ludicrous. And they planned a fun party, and it was an enjoyable Christmas for everyone, which is not always the case for the office. What? Who is your employee of the month?
0: I chose Pam because of the olive branch that she extends to Karen. She kind of sees that she has been not the greatest person to Karen for no reason, and so she...
1: Well, there's a
0: reason. Yes, there is a reason. (laughs) Yes, uh, she says there's no reason. We know what the reason is, but... Yes, she tries to be friendly with Karen and mend fences, and even though it is kind of... For not because later on, we do still see Pam being kind of cold to Karen, not directly, but just from afar. Mm-hmm. And Pam is also the first one to take that step towards mending the fences with Angela as yeah. well. So, Pam is kind of peacemaker in this episode. So, that does it for this week's episode. Please follow us on Twitter at DownsizingPod to get all the latest updates. And please continue following us. On Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Please rate, subscribe, and comment wherever you can to get our name out there. We appreciate you listening to us in this weird time. We will see you guys next week. Bye.
1: Bye.